0: This week, on the Myths and Legends podcast, it's a lesser-known story from the Grimm Brothers, and we'll learn all about eating vomit for fun and profit, and we'll meet a helpful-slash-sometimes-homicidal cloud Uber. Then, on the Creature of the Week, we'll meet a Welsh vampire, who, despite her scary appearance, is really hard to take seriously, what with spit constantly dangling from her one tusk-like vampire tooth. This is the Myths and Legends podcast, Episode 55, My Bird Heart Will Go On. This is a podcast where I tell stories from folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories you might not have heard, but really should. This week, it's a little-known story from the Grimm Brothers, and the story's name is Donkey Cabbages, which, with a name like that, already kind of makes it a great addition to this podcast. The Grimm brothers lived in what is now Germany in the 1800s, and they collected stories through interviews with family, friends, and everyday people. They didn't come up with the stories, and they deny any embellishments or additions. I mean, who would do that? Who would add things to otherwise drier, folk folktales? That's just disgusting. I've read that the Grimm brothers traveled the countryside, but I've also been corrected by listeners that many of the stories came from one prominent family and one woman in particular. I don't want to wade into fairy tale controversy because I guess that exists, so I'm just going to leave that right there. I'm going with the German version from the Grimm brothers, but it's traveled far in Western Europe, and there are versions collected by the Scottish poet Andrew Lang and English poet Ruth Manning Sanders. All right, on with the story. huntsman had been laying in the bushes for hours, and then he saw it, a massive buck, his stomach grumbled, this would go a long way in helping him survive, he put his finger on the trigger and exhaled, and the buck bolted away from the hunter, the hunter sighed and put his gun down, then he heard the reason why the buck ran off, an old crone, or an old woman, shuffled slowly along the path in the forest her feet dragging on leaves, twigs, rocks, well, everything. She was like 10 feet away from the hunter, and moving as quickly as her hunched and weakened body would allow, which was not very quick at all. The hunter turned around and said hi. He would just wait for her to pass. And wait he did. In two minutes though, the crone had only shuffled another few feet. Then, he made the faithful decision of striking up a conversation with a wizened old crone in the dark forest. Something that's either the best decision or the worst decision that you'll ever make. He asked her, how's it going? She said, oh, pretty terrible. I'm starving and thirsty and traveling alone through a dangerous forest, talking to weapon-wielding strangers. So, you know, fairy tale stuff. He said politely, and maybe meaning it, well, I'm sorry to hear things are rough. Is there anything I can do? She slowly turned to look at him. Well, seeing as she was starving and food costs money the huntsman could give her some money. Hmm? I don't know if it crossed his mind that not giving alms to a woman who had a very high probability of being a witch was probably a bad idea, or if basic human decency kicked in, as he watched this woman, clearly starving and painfully moving at a few feet a minute through the forest. He sighed. Yeah. Yeah, he had money on him. It wasn't much. He was suffering too. But he could spare a bit so that she might be able to eat tonight. Her face lit up when she saw the coin, and she took it in her cold, wrinkled hands and put it in her cloak. She thanked him profusely and then smiled. She had something for him too. He had a good heart and a gun. If he walked down this road, the way the old woman had come, then he would see a tree. By that tree are nine birds. What makes this a noteworthy tree of nine birds is that they were all fighting over one cloak. The birds had great taste in cloaks too, because this one was magical. The old man said that if the young man puts it on and thinks about a place, he will instantly go there. All he had to do was take that gun of his and shoot one of the birds, and then that cloak is his. Then it gets so much better, he would just need to pick up a fresh bird corpse and tear it open to find its still warm heart. If he plucked that tiny little bird heart out and ate it, then he would wake up with a gold coin on his pillow every morning from here on out. Okay, the huntsman said, so what you're saying is up the road, there are nine birds twittering in the air, with a magic cloak suspended between them, and if I kill one and eat its heart, then I'll get gold on my pillow every morning, that about cover it? The old woman smiled and nodded, yep, that was it. All right, said the young huntsman, that totally sounds real, thank you so much, surely not crazy stranger in the forest. She said, "...you're welcome," and thanked him for his generosity, and continued on. Except that it was at her same pace, and after about a minute, she had only shuffled a few feet. With her shuffling feet, there was absolutely no way the hunter was going to get more hunting done. He picked up his gun and left. He knew of better spots, and while he was walking, he realized he was heading back the way the crone had come, and he heard chirping, a lot of it, like nine birds worth... No way, he thought to himself, this can't be. He emerged into the clearing, and there it was. A magical cloak being held in the air by the virtue of nine birds fighting over it. The huntsman knew what he had to do next. If the old lady was right about this, she might just be right about the magical properties of the cloak, and the bird heart. The nine birds, each being equally ill-equipped to grab a heavy cloak in mid-air, and fight eight other birds for it, were pretty distracted. The huntsman had a lot of time to load his gun, sit down, aim, and take the shot. The bird didn't really even stand a chance. They were all so busy fighting amongst themselves for a cloak they couldn't possibly wear that they missed the danger until the shot rang out. The others scattered, but the bird that was hit dropped to the ground with a cloak. The huntsman picked up the cloak and draped it over his arm, and he was about to test it out when he remembered what the crone had said. If he ate the heart of the bird then he would find a gold coin on his pillow every morning. Okay, so I looked this up. The current price of gold in December 2016 is about $1,200 US dollars an ounce. In today's dollars, that's like getting $600 per day just for waking up, given a coin weight of about half an ounce. Gold prices are around record highs though. And even going back as far as 1914 and adjusted for inflation, you're still looking at about $400 per ounce, or around $200 per day. So... Yeah, the amount this huntsman would get just for opening his eyes in the morning is somewhere between $73,000 and $219,000 per year. I put out a poll on Twitter, I'm at Myth Podcast if you want to follow the show, and 90% of the followers said that they would either eat the heart immediately, no questions asked, or would absolutely consider it, depending on how long the bird was dead. Personally, for that amount of free magical money, I would eat it in a heartbeat, pun absolutely intended. Despite medical care in the early modern period being less than ideal, the huntsman agreed with me and most of the Myth Podcast Twitter followers. He picked up the dead bird, stuck his thumb in the gunshot wound and pried open the tiny ribcage. Holding his nose, he gulped down the heart and hoped that it would work. The huntsman wanted to try out the cloak, but he had never been more than a few miles from his home. Then he shrugged. He threw the cloak over his shoulders and thought of home. In an instant, he was standing before his doorway, or his parents' doorway. As a young huntsman, he still lived with his parents. That would soon change though. Weeks later, he had a whole heap of gold coins, and now that he didn't need to stay in one place, trading dirty furs and eating whatever he could to survive, his world suddenly seemed very small. What was the use of all this gold if he just stayed at home? One morning, he packed his gun, supplies, and told mom and dad to please not rent out his room and also not to touch the pile of gold in the corner, and you know what, just don't go in my room. He left on his trip, and weeks later, you might have said that he was lost in the woods, if he had any particular idea where he was going. He didn't though, so he was just kind of taking the long way to nowhere. In the middle of the dark forest, there was a spooky castle. In the castle, doing whatever it is evil witches do with their downtime, the witch looked up and gasped. Someone was coming. Someone with a bird heart in his body she rushed to her beautiful young daughter, a witch in training. She told her daughter that there was a man about to emerge from the forest who had a wonderful treasure in his body. It was more suitable for the witches than it was for him, so they had to steal it from him. The daughter said that she was not super excited about stealing an object from another human's body and said that she wouldn't hurt the stranger. The witch sighed. They really needed that 78 to 219 grand a year. Sure, they were magical, but castle ownership isn't cheap and utilities alone were ridiculous. She was standing next to a stone wall with, what, a tapestry for insulation? Drafty doesn't even begin to describe it. I'm being ridiculous, of course. But the witch was deadly serious, and generally very unpleasant. She looked at her daughter. Either you hurt him, or I hurt you. The daughter looked at the ground. She knew her mother was capable of it. She had done it before. The daughter asked what she should do. The mother witch said to go stand out on the wall, and invite him in. Then, get the guy really drunk. The Huntsman was breaking the first rule of the Myths and Legends podcast, by being in the dark forest to begin with. It happens, but he almost kept himself from breaking the second rule, and going into the spooky castle. Almost. That is, until he saw the beautiful young witch on the wall... Waiting for him to come in and say hi. A few hours later, he was enjoying pleasant company with a beautiful young woman and all of the suspiciously strong ales he could ask for, and even some he didn't ask for. In less than an hour, the young man stood up abruptly from the table and ran to the nearest balcony. He almost made it too. The vomit hit the floor inside. They found him curled up in a corner sleeping, the magical cloak wrapped around him. The mother and daughter walked to the mess and the mother looked down, and plucked something no bigger than a grape from the vomit. It was the bird's heart, which rather than being digested, was just apparently lodged in his stomach, and one heavy night of drinking away from being shaken loose. The mother inspected it, and smelled it. Yeah, she was not going to eat this. Then she looked at her daughter. Before her daughter had a chance to react, her mother grabbed the back of her head, and shoved the bird's heart into her daughter's mouth. She held the girl's mouth shut until she swallowed the heart. For those of you disgusted by swallowing a fresh, relatively clean bird heart, I can only imagine what you think of a weeks old, vomit covered bird heart. Also, when it comes to digestion, it's a magical bird heart that gives you gold under your pillow every morning. So, I don't think we can be super picky when it comes to realism. The huntsman didn't quite know what had happened the night before, when he staggered into the main room the next morning, to see the witch and her daughter sitting there. The huntsman waking up in a hallway, forgot to check for the gold, so he didn't know that the stomach acid soaked bird heart had been stolen from him, he sat down to breakfast, and was so hungry, that he barely noticed they had left the room, just out in the hallway, the daughter witch turned to her mother witch, who told the daughter that they had the ale and bile soaked bird heart, but the man also had a wishing cloak on him, do you know how many birds die annually fighting over wishing cloaks, we must have it, the daughter said no, No, we've taken all of his wealth from him. We can leave him his wishing cloak. The mother nodded and calmly went to the door to the main room where the huntsman was eating and closed it. The daughter immediately knew what was happening and apologized to her mother with tears and pleading. She would do it. She would help her steal the wishing cloak. The mother said that she knew the daughter would help, but she still picked up her staff. The huntsman in the next room couldn't hear the blows or the crying. A few hours later, The huntsman and the daughter were walking along the walls of the castle, looking out into the distance. The huntsman couldn't take his eyes off her, but she looked so sad. He asked her what was wrong, and she pointed to the mountain in the distance, miles and miles beyond the forest, barely visible on the horizon. She said that it was the Garnet Mountain. It was leagues away and unclimbable, but there are precious stones there, diamonds, rubies, and garnets, of course, and they grew like wildflowers. She desperately wanted to go there. He laughed. Is that your only problem? She gave him a wholly unconvincing nod, and thought of her mother as she said it. Yep, that was her only problem. He said that that was so simple. He grabbed the edge of his wishing cloak, and draped it around the young witch. In an instant, they weren't in the poorly insulated, underinsured castle, but standing on a warm, grassy hillside surrounded by magnificent gemstones, sprouting from the ground. The young witch knew what she had to do, and the longer she waited, the more difficult it would be. But an hour later, she and the huntsman were still walking up the mountain path, laughing, talking, and casually picking gemstone flowers. The young witch slid her hand into the huntsman's, looked at him, and the two exchanged a smile. They walked in happy silence. Eventually, they came to a ledge, and the young witch looked out, and her heart sank. Off in the distance was her mother's castle, just a speck on the horizon, but it was there. She knew her mother's power. The young witch and the huntsman could run away together, but the old witch would find them, and it would be so much worse for them both. The daughter would be beaten and locked away, and the huntsman would be killed just to hurt her, She knew what she must do. He was looking off the cliff, out in the forest, his back to her. She said a small spell, and he suddenly started to waver a bit. He said he didn't know if it was walking, or the air, or what, but he was suddenly very tired. She told him to sit, to rest. He said he only needed to shut his eyes for a moment. She helped him to the ground, and he fell asleep. She looked on the sleeping huntsman, stroked his hair, and told him she was sorry. She unpinned the cloak and pulled it out from under him. She scooped up the gemstones, too. Her mother wanted those. She looked at the sleeping man, sighed, and draped herself in the cloak. She said goodbye and thought of her mother's castle. In an instant, she was gone. The Huntsman felt the ground shaking. This was the second time today that he had woken up in an unexpected place, and even though it wasn't a spooky castle with a greedy witch, it was only marginally better, because there were giants coming. He quickly realized the young woman's treachery, when he grabbed his cloak to teleport somewhere safe, and he looked around and realized there wasn't any gold underneath his head. She had somehow taken the bird heart too. He heard them down the path, they were talking. They were close. He tried to think of what to do. Should he leap to his feet and try to talk to them? Or was it play dead? Or is that just a thing you do with bears and not giants? His decision was made for him, because the giants turned the corner and saw him there, sprawled out on the ground. There were two giants making their way up the mountain. One looked down and saw the huntsman lying dead before him. He said, oh, that's sad. Don't you hate it when earthworms crawl out on the road and die in the sun? His friend slapped him on the chest. No, you idiot, that's not a worm. That's a human. The first giant looked down at the huntsman in disgust. Ooh, gross. That's so much worse. It just came up here to die? I'm gonna step on it. Why would you step on it? It's already dead, and you'll just get blood and stuff all over your shoes. Just kick it off the cliff if you're gonna do anything, the second giant said. The first giant paused. Nah, he said. I changed my mind. I don't wanna get any of it on me. Let's just step over it. The huntsman, holding his breath, felt the giant step over him and heard their voices begin to fade as they made their way up the mountain path. Too bad he didn't keep going. He was almost to the peak, the huntsman heard the giant say. If he made it to the peak, then he could have ridden the cloud down. Yeah, okay, whatever, the other giant said, and they thundered off to their home. The huntsman opened his eyes after the giants left. A cloud transport. This was new development. So the cloud transport is kind of fun and kind of disappointing. At the top of the mountain was a cloud Uber that would carry you wherever you wanted to go. Though I guess in this case it would be more like Lyft. I'm very sorry about that pun, and I would understand if you didn't listen to this podcast again. We are given no information about the cloud, so I'm going to give him a name. Hans. Hans the Helpful Cloud. Hans the Helpful Cloud just helped lost strangers out of the goodness of his anatomically unlikely heart. He helped people escape the mountaintop and send them on the next steps of the journey that is life. He sometimes dropped people, but only occasionally. I would imagine dropping people for fun is something you kind of grow out of when you're a cloud. Regardless, Huntsman was spooked by the prospect of being dropped from the sky by Hans the helpful slash sometimes homicidal cloud, and said that he would prefer to be let down basically anywhere. How about that cabbage patch? Never mind the walls, just let me down. Hans, the helpful cloud, tipped his even more unlikely hat to the huntsman, and went off to pick up his next rider. After the cloud had left, the huntsman realized that, the wall was actually kind of a problem, but the huntsman shrugged. It was the middle of the night now, and he was starving. He picked up what is described as a juicy hit of cabbage, and took a bite. And he immediately learned why the cabbage patch was walled off. Hairs began sprouting all over his body, and his hands warped and shriveled and turned to black. His face elongated, and his teeth became big and flat. He dropped to all fours, and his transformation was complete. He, of course, had been turned into a donkey after eating a cabbage. He looked at his hooves and shrieked. He ran around the pen. He was a donkey. This was a nightmare. Still, as he ran past the cabbages, he didn't know if it was the donkey side of him or what, but he was suddenly really into these cabbages and other plants that one would find on the ground. He stopped on the other side of the pen and started munching on that juicy cabbage, and his hooves became soft and fleshy, sprouting fingers. His face returned to normal, and he could stand. He was human again. The huntsman, rejecting all the instinct I would have to run from the cabbages that just turned me into a donkey, stopped climbing halfway up the wall. He lowered himself, and he looked at the cabbages. Then, he had an idea. The witch was standing on the wall of her castle, and she was looking off at the forest. It had been weeks, and she had amassed quite a pile of gold from her daughter swallowing the bird heart, and that 71 to 219 grand per year would be put to good use. Then something caught the witch's eye. Someone collapsed on the edge of the forest. She threw on the wishing cloak, and in an instant she was standing before what appeared to be a servant partially from trying to re-find the witch's castle nestled deep in the dark forest before the cabbage rotted, and partially because he was a mediocre master of disguise, the witch didn't recognize the huntsman. Now, the young man she thought was just some lowly messenger appeared to be parched and exhausted, and he could only say one word, salad. The witch sat the young man at the table and gave him some water when they made it back to the castle. The young messenger said he was from the king, and the king had sent him out to find the most delicious salad in the world. The messenger had found the salad, of course, but now it threatened to wither in the hot sun. He needed a horse for the king. He asked the witch to borrow one, but to sweeten the deal, the messenger slash huntsman pulled out a juicy cabbage. How about a quick salad? $219,000 in guaranteed annual income, a magic teleportation cloak, and now a free salad? This, this was a good month, the witch thought. She took the cabbage to the kitchen and got started preparing it. While the older witch was in the kitchen getting the cabbage ready, the young woman came into the room. She introduced herself to this kind of familiar stranger, and he asked her to sit down, telling her all about the salad and his mission from the king. Then, they heard a commotion and a crashing in the kitchen. The huntsman excused himself and said he would see what was going on. In the kitchen, he saw a donkey, panicked and running all over. He took out a length of rope that he had brought just for this reason and looped it around the donkey's mouth tying her to a table. Then, he picked up the prepared salad, and took it out to the daughter. He almost felt bad about it, but the love he felt for her, made his bitterness all the worse. He thought they had something, but she had lied to him, stolen from him, and left him to die on a mountain. It was only by Hans, the helpful slash sometimes homicidal cloud, that he survived. He watched her eat the salad, panic, and fall to the floor as a donkey. When he rubbed the disguise from his face, The donkeys despaired, in whatever form that would take for a donkey. They had been beaten. It was difficult to get them together, and then out of the castle, and even more difficult to get miles down the road to their closest neighbor, a miller. The huntsman had dug through the witch's things and found a small pile of gold coins from the bird's heart, and so he made an unusual offer to the miller. He told the miller that he was going to give the man these donkeys, and he was going to give him a pile of gold, to take care of them exactly as the huntsman said. The miller said, okay, so what do you have in mind? The huntsman said that the older donkey was to be worked however the miller wanted, but only given one meal a day, and beaten three times a day. The miller was surprised when the donkey squealed in panic, as if she understood. The huntsman then said that the other donkey, the younger donkey, the one who looked like it would leave someone it cared about on a giant infested mountain with only half a thought, was to be given three meals a day and no beatings. The miller agreed to the kind of sad amount of donkey beating, and the huntsman left. But he allowed himself one look back at the sad, younger donkey. She had a pained, regret-filled look on her face, as far as that was possible for a donkey. And that would be the last time they saw each other. That week. The huntsman tried to continue on with his adventures. He got lost trying to find the castle again, and forgot to get the young woman to throw up the bird heart, so he was as bad off as when he saw that old woman in the woods, in what felt like a lifetime ago. Worse, he could not get the young woman out of his mind. He had cared for her, and even though her donkey life wouldn't be as bad as her mother's, it was still a donkey life, and he had loved her. Finally, he couldn't take it, and started making his way back to the mill. He had the now withered leaves of cabbage that would turn the young woman back. He was going to do the right thing. When he arrived at the mill... The miller met him at the road, with his hat in hand. He had bad news, and he had worse news. The bad news? The young donkey wasn't eating. She was in deep despair, and she would be dead soon. The young man panicked and gripped the cabbage in his pocket. He demanded to know the worse news. The miller said that the older donkey, that kind of reminded him of a super evil and abusive witch that lived nearby, was dead. Maybe it was the beatings, maybe it was lack of food. The miller didn't know he wasn't a veterinarian. The huntsman said, oh, oh no, that wasn't bad news, don't worry about it. Let's go see what we can do about that young donkey. Okay, as a quick aside, there have been some dark deaths on this podcast. I'm looking at you, Volsungs. But being transformed into a donkey, starved, and being beaten thrice daily, just for the offense of grand theft bird heart is one of the darker deaths. I mean, she was an evil abusive witch, but I guess the huntsman didn't know that. After she had turned back, the huntsman helped the young woman to her feet, and the miller was ready with a blanket. She and the huntsman looked at each other, and said the same thing. I'm sorry. The huntsman learned all about the old witch, and forgave the young woman. She basically had no choice. She understood his anger, and forgave him for turning her into a donkey, and inadvertently killing her mother, though she took that Pretty well. She said that she had the cloak back at her castle and that she would be happy to vomit up the bird heart. He declined and said it didn't matter. He didn't want to leave the young witch again. He came back for her because he loved her. The gold that resulted from a vomit soaked six month old Birdheart could be their gold that resulted from a vomit soaked six month old Birdheart. She said, You had me at vomit soaked six month old Birdheart. And that being the most romantic thing anyone had ever said to the young witch, won her heart. The pair was married later on that month, and they lived in the castle together, making it a warm and happy place after the evil old witch. Even though they had a cloak that could take them anywhere and money to do anything, they hardly used either. They had everything they needed right there. I've read that the Grimm stories occupy a strange place between when folktales were for adults and when they transformed into fairy tales for children. So much so that the later versions add a bit of violence and evil authority figures getting what they deserve because the kids love that. That could be why the evil abusive witch mother was transformed into a donkey and then starved slash beaten to death. Fun times. Also, if you're wondering about the Burnt Heart, well, so am I. I did a lot of research into this and found some very fun folklore beliefs regarding animal organs, but I can't find anything that tells me exactly why a bird heart would give you gold every morning. Many times, things like hearts and organs could be seen to cure illnesses and give other benefits, but a daily gold stipend seems like a bit of a stretch, even for folklore medicine. Next week, it's the story of a heroine from Nepali folklore, and completely coincidentally, we'll continue this week's relatively vomit-heavy theme. Next week, though, it's goat vomit, which is better. Regardless, it's a really good story, so check it out. I want to say thanks to Batasai Thirty One, Alex the Great Four 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 Five, Nikachu, Strange, Wesley, J M Toppleman, Jen Casto, Beth Six Seven Five Six, Lauren Denine, El Ice Sashcat Four Two Zero, MatchDrum, Fahadma, Jay Lesur, and Alter the Celt for the reviews on iTunes. Thank you all so much for the reviews. I really appreciate it. And if you'd like to leave a review, iTunes is the best place, and you can find the show there at iTunes. Dot mythpodcast.com. And also, there's a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of five pounds worth of replica human fat... ...you can get extra episodes, source pack ebooks... ...and ad-free versions of the show... ...that will not make you gain five pounds. Yeah, I'm, I'm full of jokes this episode. Check out support.mythpodcast.com for more details. The creature this week... ...is the Gracus from Wales. And I've tried and tried on that pronunciation that's as close as I'm gonna get. This creature is not a nice one, and it kind of reminds me of the Dullahan from Ireland, in that it is so over-the-top evil that it's almost funny. Almost. It's a vampiric monster, with leathery, bat-like wings down her side. She wears a cloak that forever shrouds her face in darkness, and that's a good thing, because underneath, it's kind of terrifying, but mostly just pretty ridiculous. She has a constant string of drool tinged with blood that hangs from her one, sharp, tusk like tooth, right below her large nose with one nostril. If that's not weird enough, well, she has a barbed tongue, a greenish tint to her skin, clawed webbed hands, and, I read, infamously long, super thin breasts. I don't know how anyone knows this, though, because anyone who sees her true form goes mad instantly. Being vampiric, she does the classic vampire stuff, Though, I would imagine it takes some care, and she needs to delicately place her one hollow tusk tooth in someone's neck, without accidentally impaling them. That has to be harder than it looks, especially without waking them up. Anyway, she lives in secluded forests, and she knows when someone of Welsh descent is about to die. She actually tries to be super helpful in this instance. If you come by her crossroads in the middle of the night, that's when she's active, she'll scream out, right next to you, in the middle of the night. As it turns out, most of the people she knew were going to die were going to die from the guac a and warning them about their death. That's it for this week. The theme song is by the band Broke for Free and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. Other music is by Puddington Bear and Blue Dot Sessions and there are links to even more music in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.